my bad. We weren't actually recording. No. But now we are. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, next week, I have to do Tuesday or Wednesday. Your choice. Okay. <laughs> I'll uh, count down then. <clears throat> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that has no worries and no strife because we have the bare necessities. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. What's up? Um, so it has been... I, I know we met last week and talked. Mm-hmm. I've had a whirlwind of my life's getting completely upside down lately. Um, I'm getting back to normal. So before I even venture down the road of that story, plus things that I'm doing... What are you watching? Oh, what's man. going on with so, you? So <laughs> I actually watched. Um, I, I rented a few movies from Redbox. Um, I think I think you talked about this movie before. A simple favor. Yeah. Okay. So I rented yeah, that movie and ago. watched it, and that was uh, that was pretty good. Like I, I liked it a lot. It was like a cool. There's a really cool mystery to it. I felt like there there's a point in the movie where you learn everything that's going on. Like it all comes together, and I think at that point the movie kind of went down a little bit for me where I was just like, okay, now I just have to wait for it to get over. But overall, I thought it was really great. Um, Before the episode, I was actually looking on IMDb, and uh, I noticed that this is uh, Paul Feig's uh, first feature-length directed movie since uh, Ghostbusters, the 2016 movie, which I actually wasn't a very big fan of. So actually, this is like nice to see him oh, back on the upswing. I didn't, so. I didn't even think about that. I just saw the trailer and went, this looks like a cool this looks <laughs> yeah. like a cool mystery movie. So Yeah, overall I thought it was pretty great. Now, I just think let me oh, ask you this though. The bonus credit scene, did that ruin it for you? The bonus credit scene. I'm trying at to the I pri- remember at there the was... prison. Oh, not really. Why it would totally that totally ruin? ruined it? Why for me. Though? It totally took me out of the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't I don't wanna like like if anyone's planning yeah. on watching a simple favor, I don't want to say it because it, it's just yeah. it's technically a spoiler to what happens at the yeah. end. But I was just like, I didn't need to show that, and I was completely <laughs> like, it was almost like they put it in as a joke. I think and, it was unneeded, but I don't think it ruined anything. It was just like, yeah, oh, it totally. Okay. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> right. we didn't need that. Um, and then I also rented this other movie from Redbox called Hellfest. I don't know if you're familiar with this movie or not. Uh, I am. But, uh, okay, so imagine it's pretty much, I think they call it Hellfest because it's a play on Fright Fest, like Six Flags Fright Fest. And it's essentially if there's a year-round uh, Halloween amusement park like Fright Fest that uh, is filled with rides and haunted houses like that, and a killer gets turned loose, like a masked killer gets turned loose in the park. So it's a your typical slasher horror movie. Right. And when I say typical, it's like typical. Like it's got like the dumb teenage protagonist. It's got like a, so many slasher tropes. I can't I can't really say much good about this movie, but I enjoyed it while watching. And I don't know why. I can't really defend it, but I enjoyed the movie. So if that sounds like it's your thing, I'd definitely recommend that. So. Awesome. All How right. about you? Did you see watch anything? Or? All right. So um we've talked in previous a couple episodes ago that I uh wrote a play. Right, yeah. And um I was given the opportunity to direct it and star in it. Um, so I happen to see that play too. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> and, I, and, I'll, and I'll give you you can you can give me your personal review right. in a moment. Um, 
I uh, my whole life got turned upside down since we last sat down and recorded an episode yeah. because it was tech week for the show and I had all the show prep to do and then I actually had to put on the show. Yeah. So um, before I get to my watching category, um, what do you think of the show? I thought it was it was really cool. Like it's a uh, it was for a uh, murder mystery dinner uh, yeah. basically, and I felt like it was a pretty. Uh, I don't want to say out there, but definitely not your typical murder mystery because you brought in a lot of um, sort of like adventure story aspects to it, and there was kind of a big puzzle to the whole thing, and I really enjoyed that. So and that's it's pretty great. And when I was writing it, they told me because this because this was like a project that was supposed to be a thing to kind of kick off a potential adult theater yeah. community program. Um, when I was writing it, they said that they wanted a murder mystery, and they said they wanted it to be funny. Yeah. Okay, well, they also said, so I took their murder mystery and wrote them an adventure love story. Yeah. Um, because I'm a heart, hopeless romantic at heart, and I basically was like, <laughs> I want to write, I, I had to I had to do this love story subplot, but I thought as a cool subplot, let's make it an adventure. And I just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so. For sure. It reminded me a lot of, um, I don't know if it's the first or second uh, Adam's Family Movie. You know what's funny? So I made a so when I was I was talking to someone about it in the early stages of writing who was a part of the actual production. Okay, yeah. And um, I was kind of like talking about the outline of my notes for my script. Yeah. And when I was talking about like the idea of the treasure hunt in the house, they were like, "You mean like Ready Player One?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> I was thinking, like, the Adams Family house. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You know, with all the weird, like, traps and stuff in the house. Like, that's what went through my head. I'm like, it was just kind of a funny thing. And it's not... I mean, I don't want to say, like, I stole the idea, but it was more of a... What if there was this adventure in the house that, like, actually, like, led you down a path that, like, to a puzzle and, like, there's actually a legitimate treasure at the end. Yeah. Um, that is that that is not a treasure in... A tangible form so much, but a very meaningful treasure to another part of the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It's um, not about the treasure that you find at the end. It's about the friends you make along the way. No, it's, that's, that's, you know what? Like that's that. a, yeah, I'm going to put that on a poster. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll put, throw that on the poster. That'll be cool. Um, <laughs> what was interesting, though, is I got the reviews that I got on this were well beyond anything I could have imagined. And, um, like, I didn't expect it to be as well-received as it was. And I didn't expect people to like it as well as they did. And um, it really, like, starting this podcast, like, you and I created a thing. Yeah. And it's becoming an important thing. And, you know, we got Comic-Con coming up. We're going to be going in there and covering that. I mean, C2E2, that is. Right. Um, and, like, tonight's our 30th episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's thirty consecutive. I didn't weeks. even realize that. Thirty but that's consecutive awesome. weeks. That's awesome. And so this is just a growing thing, which is great. Where I'm, you know, so the podcast happened, and then in the midst of us doing this podcast, this writing project landed in my lap, and then the way this weekend went with the show and everything, it just lit, like it just create uh, lit a fire under yeah. my ass, and now I'm in like super creation mode right now. <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm, yeah. you know trying to come up with some new thing to write, whether it gets put on or whether it's just for personal hobby sake, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Or what do I do with it? For sure. Uh, so at any rate, um, uh, yeah, really good. So my DVR is mad at me. I have a massive stack of stuff to catch up on. 
Um, so I didn't watch anything new. But mm-hmm. what I did do is I had two things that were I specifically left aside as my personal rewards for when the show ended. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, Kingdom Hearts came out in the middle of me doing show stuff. So Kingdom Hearts 3. So I started it. I'm about maybe six hours in. Okay, nice. Um, awesome. Everything about it is great. Okay, but I'm very like because I'm in creation mode. I don't want video games to distract me. So video games are like weekends only right now because I want to focus on like because now I'm in this. I want to do this stuff. Yeah, way more than I ever have been. So video games are kind of like a weekend only thing. So Sunday after the show, when I wasn't doing anything and I was trying to unwind, I'm like, I'm gonna start Kingdom Hearts and make make my brain think of something else. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to stop like reading things. That doesn't count in terms of my weekly stuff because sometimes reading can be helpful research and you know that kind of thing yeah for sure so um while i was doing show prep my favorite author matthew riley released a book and i put it aside because i didn't want any distractions and i knew as soon as the show was over i'll pick this up yeah so um and that came out earlier during when i was still like that came out right when i finished the strip and we started pre-production so I just didn't want a distraction, so I'm like, I'm going to save that for the end. So I started that as well, and I'm about, I don't know, maybe 60 pages in. <clears throat> Loving every page of it, every word of it. It's just phenomenal. So That's awesome. Um, he, As a writer, he is, Matthew Riley, is very inspirational to me in terms of a writing style. So um, I really like to... I like pouring into the choices he makes as a writer. So, yeah. I, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes following things that you are into... Um, even just studying what you're into can be inspirational to something you want to come up with. Oh, for sure. I I got the same thing a lot with uh, comic book artists and stuff. Like uh, Todd McFarlane's a huge (laughs) one for me. Like I'll look at some of his old uh, Spider-Man or Spawn comics from the 90s and just like examine every choice and how he lays out the page and like get really into it. So I definitely relate to that Yeah, so I started the book. It's great. If I could stop everything, I'd probably... It's like almost 500 pages. I'd probably have it done tomorrow if I didn't have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> um, but yeah, and Kingdom Hearts 3 so far, awesome. Um, I was going to ask how it's stacked up compared to the other ones. Like, do they try to go for more of a... Like, gameplay-wise... Are you talking it, Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, yeah. Is like... Is uh, gameplay-wise, is it pretty similar to the first two, or do they try to bring in more of an open world aspect to it because that's really popular now in games so like the gameplay is almost identical to any kingdom hearts game you've ever played okay um short of the mobile one yeah or Um, some of the yeah like the ds or vita ones that somehow at times have more turn-based gameplay but the open worldness of it is when you get to a world there is a bit of an open worldness okay but it's more of a sandbox Okay. So it's open, but it's kind of limited at the same time because they're veering you toward your, even though you have kind of can make your own choices, they're still veering you down the path of a story because it's telling a story. It's more cinematic than anything. What's really cool about this one is that uh, in the old games, you'd have, in the older games, you'd have a, like a cinematic sequence to watch before the next segment of the game Mm -hmm. happens. And then sometimes you'd meet a character in that segment of the game and you would have like text bubbles to read through. They don't do that. It's all cutscene. It's all cinematics. 
mm-hmm. which is cool, but it makes for very lengthy cutscenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you're like, you don't know how long a cutscene will end, will 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 be, and you'll just be like, okay, I want to get back to the game. So you're like, part of me is yeah. like a little getting a little antsy, <laughs> just because I don't know how long these cutscenes are, but they're gorgeous and they're amazing. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. It's like <laughs> you have to set aside like a couple hours at least because well, you might have a couple twenty minute minute cutscenes. So in I never got I never got to play it, but Metal Gear Solid Four came out uh early mid 2000s okay and, sounds about right yeah. and uh i had a f- i was meeting up with a bunch of friends later in the evening called a buddy of mine i'm like hey are you coming out and he's like yeah dude i'm on the last level of metal gear 4 i'll be out as soon as i'm done with it i'll come join you guys cool three hours later he shows up mm-hmm. and i'm like where have you been and he goes the final cutscene is two hours <laughs> And I go, what? He goes, the final cutscene of the game is a movie. If I would have known that, I would have saved and just joined you guys. (laughs) Right. So with that being said, um, if I ever do play Metal Gear Solid 4, I will make sure I have the time before I do that final level and watch the cutscene. I mean, when it came out, I don't know if YouTube is what it is now, but you might be able to watch the whole final cutscene on YouTube if you have to miss it. Probably. Um, well, anyway, enough about me, enough about uh, things I'm watching or not watching. <laughs> we have a ton of news, so yeah, let's, sure. let's tackle it. <laughs> um, these are kind of spaced out. Like, So if you've never actually seen the inside of our palatial podcast studio... <laughs> um, which none of you have. Which none, which none of you have. Um, or 99% I know, Bryn, I know you're listening, so I know you have. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, we, uh, we look at a whiteboard with all the notes on them for the week, and... Uh, it's all kind of randomly spaced because I wrote stories down as I spotted them. Uh, so we will try and lump all the DC ones together so it's one block of DC. Um, but real quick, uh, let's talk about... Um, let's hit the trailers real fast. Okay. So uh, Aladdin trailer, did you watch it? Um, okay, so... <laughs> I Yeah, actually, I, I did watch it. It was very not memorable to me compared to the first trailer but there is one aspect of the trailer that everybody's talking about so there there okay so in terms of memorability uh in terms of uh, being a memorable trailer yeah there are two things that okay. glaringly stood out to me okay fair um, enough so go ahead and well i mean from talk the about first... the big one and then there's, well, there's one big one <laughs> and the little one no one's talking for the okay for the first trailer there's like this big like zooming in a shot where they're going right up to the uh cave that aladdin the cave of wonders yeah, yeah. Cave, of, cave of wonders and that shot, I think, was in both trailers, and that's was the part that I remembered the most from okay. them. But then once, after that, I don't know if it's a hard cut or if it actually shows Aladdin going in, but eventually it shows the reveal of uh, the genie, who's played by Will Smith, and uh, it confirms that the genie is actually going to be blue because there was the Entertainment Weekly article that showed yeah. him, you know, in regular flesh tone. And uh, so I think, like, that's, like, a good thing, but I think the problem is the genie just looks way too much like Will Smith, and I think (laughs) nobody can take it seriously, so there's (laughs) all this... It's just like when they revealed the... uh, 
live action Sonic like silhouette like a month or two ago and there's like all this really funny fan art and like memes being made out of it and it's the same thing with the genie like I've seen people turn the genie into I Thanos think, turning the genie into Captain yeah, Planet I think at the end of the day people are going to it's going to totally be fine and people will be able to take it seriously I think first glance you're like wait what but yes <laughs> it does look way too much like uh, Will Smith. Mm-hmm, it's almost sure. like they took the body that Robin Williams would have had if it was a live-action Aladdin and put Will Smith's <laughs> face on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it is, it's definitely weird-looking. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, the trailer as a whole, I mean, it, it looks like Aladdin. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you've seen the animated film, this looks like wanna, the live-action so version. They ha- I don't know if it will, but everything they've shown of the Cave of Wonders, it's just like this static stone um i don't know if it's a lion or a tiger's head or i think it's supposed to be like a tiger's head that they i think it's a, i think it's a panther okay so yeah i, I wasn't sure what kind of cat, tiger but, or a panther yeah um, i don't think it's a lion but yeah for, for sure <laughs> um but yeah like in the animated movie like that you know was a magical like cave entrance that would move around and talk and stuff and everything they've shown it's kind of just the static stone sculpture and i kind of wish it it, I'm, I'm hoping that it moves or something in the movie, but I guess we'll see. I know that's less realistic, but it is more imaginative, so I'm always going to be rooting for more imaginative stuff in general. Right. But right. Um, well, the the thing in the trailer that bugged me to no end was Jafar's voice. Yes, actually, that is another thing I noticed. Whoa! Like, <laughs> I was going to raise a fuss about it, but yeah, elaborate. I mean. <laughs> like. Jafar's voice in the in the animated movie is very like deep and commanding and kind of scary. Yeah. And this I couldn't and like he only has like maybe one line, but I'm like I could not take him seriously. <laughs> well, I actually I haven't I'm not that um, happy about Jafar's appearance either because I think like people well, have his appearance could change but pe- people have commented that he's like like a good looking guy or whatever which is fine but to me like I look at the guy playing Jafar and I do not feel any sort of intimidation from it I no, just think not like at all. he just looks like a normal dude and I'm just like well I'd rather see like Ben Kingsley or you know somebody who can really look like really sinister playing Jafar and right. maybe even have like an intimidating voice so. and have a better voice yeah exactly <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, eh, it looks like Aladdin. I mean, yeah, I'm excited for it for the visuals, but right. we'll still nitpick it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, let's talk about, since we're on Disney, let's talk about the Frozen 2 trailer. Okay. Um, thoughts on that? Um, so it opened up, and uh, the color palette actually reminded me of, um, like, the later Harry Potter movies, where it was, like, really dark, and it's, like, Elsa on the edge like on a beach but it's like at nighttime with the waves crashing in and it looked a lot more dark and ominous than what the movie, i was expecting the trailer as a whole makes the movie look a little darker yeah so i actually think than the first the trailer looks but i don't they, they don't give you a, there's nothing in regards to what the story is it's like right. just a lot of imaging it so. does show and i think you kind of pointed this out like elsa's kind of uh battling with being able to control her powers at yeah. the beginning of the trailer so if you watch the trailer the, the trailer opens with Elsa on the beach, and she is, uh, it looks like she's trying to use her powers on ocean waves, which the ocean, being a large body of water, you think, oh, she's got ice power, she could freeze the ocean. Well, we watched her freeze, like, the fjord and, like, the bay, but that's not really, like, 
ocean per se the way this was. I mean, these yeah. were very violent waves coming in, almost like hurricane level waves, which is very. And I mean, if you think about the ocean and like what's out there, it's very as vast as it is and very unpredictable and almost like she was just trying to challenge herself to control her powers even more. Mm -hmm. So I really liked the opening of the trailer, but then that's where it got kind of weird and like, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. After after that, I didn't know what was going on. Then it's kind of just a montage with shots of all the old characters and stuff. And and you're like, Hey, there's my friends. I'm not, (laughs) I don't know if I'm like, I don't have anything against Frozen, but I'm not like super into Frozen. So some of it's like, oh, that guy's still around. Well, okay. I don't think you. I don't think I don't think you can be super into Frozen the way someone is like super into Star Wars I, or I super into Harry Potter. I, I don't know. Frozen's got one movie and not a lot of like <laughs> and not a lot of like backstory that you can really dig in yet. Right. So, I'll know. have to check what kind of fan fiction is out there well, after the show. There's probably plenty of fan fiction, <laughs> knowing the internet. Um. Well, yeah, so Frozen 2 is coming, November. Nice. Uh, Child's, Play, Child's Play trailer. Nice, yeah. So we just watched this, we actually. We just watched this before we hit the, hit the record button. I mean, you pointed out uh, pretty well that they did make this announcement before the movie came out, but it's not, at least as far as we know and what the studio is saying, it's not a possessed doll who's like possessed by a serial killer this time. It is a... Robot doll gone bad, I guess. Yeah, and the AI programming gone bad. Exactly. Which, I mean, that's scary is scary by itself. If you want to talk about the singularity in humans and machines, the war between humans and machines, that that could be a whole podcast right. on its own. I don't want to go down that road tonight because, I mean, we could save yeah. that for one of our, you know, filler episodes. But, um... It's scary, but it's. I don't think it's chat. Like it's not child's play. It's like scary and right. The scary parts of the original ones is like when you see that animatronic doll like doing voodoo spells and stuff. That is creepy. And this, like, I just don't know if going the AI route is gonna have that same effect. Right. However, yeah, the imaging in the trailer looks cool. Yeah, it does look good. So uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna watch it. I don't know. I just. I'll be cap- cautiously optimistic for the meantime, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, one trailer that's not on our board since we're on horror movies uh, is uh, I'm really looking forward to Happy Death Day 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't know. Like, it looks like uh, from the trailer, it looks like it's not. It's the, So it's the original girl again. Like, we're going through, like, a series. But she's reliving it again. But this time, she's not the only one. Yeah. I just... I. <laughs> It just looks awesome. I, I'm really kind of looking forward to that because I really liked the first movie. This is another one I, I think I'm going to watch. I'm expecting to just have a good time with. Like, it's probably like a lot of stupid fun, and that's kind of what I'm hoping right. for, you know? Right. So, um, Well, how about this? We have a ton of, super, uh, not Superman, DC news that hit. These, yeah. They just keep dropping these megatons of nuggets, and I think it's because they know that Captain Marvel is about to hit and they know that Endgame is about to hit and then right after that is Spider-Man. Yeah. So I have a feeling that DC is going, let's get all our stuff out now. Let's make these announcements yeah. because no one's going to be able to think about us after these movies come and, out. And they know that because Endgame hasn't come out yet, Marvel is still holding all dead, their cards close to their chest. Dead quiet. Like, yeah, and DC knows like Marvel can't start dropping announcements to Marvel can't say anything yet. because Marvel has not explained to us what the snap means and until they do they have no news to give. So believe me, if you're itching for Marvel news and you're listening to us hoping we talk Marvel, 
It's coming. We just gotta wait. <laughs> yeah, just for wait to uh, Comic Con if nothing before. I know, that, right? You know? So, mm. so anyway, let's hit a couple of these. First off, one of them, top of the list. I didn't even. I don't know why I didn't mention it last week. Um, in my anger about the Justice League news uh, that hit with the Kevin Smith like uncovered for everybody, but um, with that being said, uh, the Matt Reeves Batman movie is moving forward. Uh, the Batman will not actually be the title of the film. The script is done. Ben Affleck will not be Batman, and they're looking for a younger uh, actor to play Batman. Yeah. To be honest, they're probably looking for a younger actor because they want him around for 13 movies. For sure. You know, they want him around for cameos, and they want him around for a lot of different things. Has it been officially confirmed that Ben Affleck is out for good as Batman, or is it just this movie? That is the big question that I have. Yeah, um, every, because this movie could just be a prequel, <laughs> right. and they want the, a younger guy. The all, Everything sounds like... Affleck has specifically said he wants another go at the character. Okay. He's come out and said, I want another go at the character. There were a couple statements made that Warner Brothers has officially released Ben Affleck of his contract, Ben Affleck's officially out, whatever... But the way the internet works these days, sometimes rumors spread and spread and get to be bigger things, and sometimes they're not true. I was wondering the same thing. Is Ben Affleck out only for this film? Because mm-hmm. if you're going to go tell a younger Bruce Wayne, a younger Batman story, that's fine. If Affleck's still in for later stuff, because in all, all accounts of saying Henry Cavill's out as Superman, it sure sounds like Henry Cavill is still playing Superman. Right. You know, Jason Momoa is saying flat out that all those reports are false and Henry Cavill is still Superman. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to say about that. Um, so this could just be Ben Affleck out for one movie. Because That's true. You know, which is kind of dumb because we all want the solo Batman film yeah. with Affleck. And then there's also going to be a question of when they do bring in this new Batman for uh, this new Batman movie, is it... Is this new Batman movie going to be connected to the larger DCU? Right, right. Well, and if it is, that means if they're getting a younger guy to play him, maybe they've got big plans for a much longer arcing universe, which would be pretty good news, I which think. Which would be cool. And um, the other thing is we talked a couple of weeks ago about how DC has announced that their plan is going to be more one-off movies, yeah. which is great. But if you go back to all their other things DC's ever done, there's still a connective tissue between the two. There is still continuity. But even if they do one-offs, it's still there's still a continuity to it. So I'm hoping, you know, not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, if I had to pick, if you said, Drew, who do you want to play Batman? Who do you think should play Batman? I, I've been doing a lot of soul-searching on this <laughs> since I heard the news about this. And I'm really thinking about it. I think Army Hammer should play Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, he's In terms of his height, physical appearance, his voice, like Army Hammer, if you don't know who he is, he played the he played both of the Win- Winklevoss twins in the movie Social Network, and he played uh, the Lone Ranger in the Lone Ranger yeah. movie. Those are probably the most two most recent things you could see him in. And he did, um, I cannot remember the name of it. Um, oh, uh, The Man from Uncle? Is that well, he was in The Man from yeah. Uncle, but he was in an Oscar nominee last year. Uh, the movie was nominated for Best Picture. He wasn't nominated, but the movie itself right. was nominated. I don't remember. Shoot, I don't okay. remember the name of it. Um, but he was. Uh, he's, a, he's a great actor. He I also just think. almost played Batman. Before. He did, and that's one of the reasons why his name caught my attention mm-hmm. because uh, there was a Justice League film that was supposed to happen that got canceled, mm-hmm. and he was originally slated to play Batman in that, and then the movie got canceled, yeah. and then we got the Justice League movie that we got. Um, 
I have a... Okay, so I can't take credit for this. Um, one of my favorite artists online, uh, this guy named Rob Duanius, who uh, hosts a podcast of his own called Sketchcraft. You should definitely check it out if you're into comic art and stuff like that. Anyways, his pick, which I totally agree with for a uh, guy to replace Ben Affleck, is uh, Matthew Fox, who played Jack That's from Lost. So if you think of his chin, like if he bulked up and his chin was in that Batman mask... He could kind of look like Ben Affleck. Um, I guess he well, has that bulked be, up well, for that being, roles With that being before. said, I want John Hamm. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, yeah, yeah. So, because uh, John Hamm is awesome. Yeah. And, like everything that guy does is amazing. So. Yeah. Um, I just when I heard the Matthew Fox thing, I just was like, yeah. I mean, I could kind of see that, and I'd like to see that guy do some more stuff. So I think that'd be a cool <laughs> pick too. So. Um, well, moving on from Batman. So the Shazam movie's coming out with Zachary Levi. Nice. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> so they talked when Henry Cavill got dropped from being, was told we, we were no longer having his Superman. Yeah. They said that he, uh, Henry Cavill, was supposed to have a cameo in Shazam, and apparently he's not having a cameo in Shazam. That was a long time ago yes. that that yeah. happened. Now it looks like the Superman cameo in Shazam is still happening. Okay. What was announced or what is, because I've seen rumblings just, of this. It's I just, just the know. rumor has it the Superman cameo is still happening. Right. Rumor, but we all know how rumors today are tomorrow's spoilers. They also said, though, that the it's it's not clear that it's Henry Cavill, though. Like, it's a sh- shaded oh, out gotcha. like image or a yeah. shot from behind the It's like the how they did uh, Batman and the Titan series. In yeah. <laughs> Either way, you get a Superman cameo in Shazam. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So I hope, hopefully, it's Henry Cavill. I hope Henry Cavill shows up and Warner Brothers is just pulling our legs. Like, they were pulling our legs the whole time. Well, there's so also, awesome. you know, if there was a just massive misdirection, we're doing this, we're doing that, and it steers us away and gets us all in an uproar, and then they go and do the complete opposite of what they said. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be amazing. I don't get why movie <laughs> studios don't do that. I, I seriously I don't. don't. <laughs> I don't either. You guys release too much about what's coming out. Right. Um, so then we have the Joker and Harley movie. Mm-hmm. The Jared Leto Joker movie with Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn. has Apparently, rumor has it, it's been canceled. I heard this, yeah. Um, I don't know the validity of it. I just know that apparently it's been canceled. Do you know where it was reported at all? I think or? I saw it on IGN. Okay. Um, but it was just like, oh, um, okay. Yeah. And then, on top of that, James Gunn is writing and directing the next Suicide Squad movie. Apparently, Harley Quinn will not be a part of it. Which I think is really odd, because she's a staple character of the Suicide yep. Squad. However, with the amount of characters for Suicide Squad, and she's going to be in the Birds of Prey movie... Like I said, they're making one-off movies, but because of a continuity, there might be some connective tissue to it, so there might be a reason why she wouldn't be in the Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, just for say, sure. Just saying. Um, maybe she was emancipated. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe. No, like, uh, maybe. I think you also just don't want to have Harley Quinn overload. Like She's going to be in a lot of you stuff. You don't, and James Gunn may have made the choice not to have Harley Quinn. But if you look at Suicide Squad projects, Harley Quinn doesn't have to be in every Suicide Squad project. Yeah, for sure. So I was kind of bummed when I read that, but I was also like, well... 
I don't know. They did. Uh, you got to trust in James Gunn because those Gar- the first Guardians movie was phenomenal. So. They did uh, Suicide Squad on Arrow, and it had like no Harley Quinn in it, and Very, that it, was awesome. So well, Harley. They, they did show her like from behind. They showed her from behind, second, but and you heard her voice. <laughs> yeah. And if you know the voice of Harley Quinn from the animated series, it was Tara Strong's. Oh voice. really? It I was didn't Tara even Strong who. Um, <coughs> Tara Strong voiced her in the animated series. Tara yeah. Strong delivered the line on Arrow, and it was such a fan shout. I was like, "Oh, that they just they they got me." So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's there. And then we have one more piece of news. Uh, one more DC piece of news. Uh, you brought this to the table, so you want to tell us about the oh, Batman sure. Ninja Turtles? So they've uh, announced that they're going to do a Batman slash Ninja Turtles animated film. Which, to me, sounds awesome. Uh, this was a uh, comic book that came out within the last couple of years. Yeah. It's one of the more popular... It's not of, a versus, is it? So much as it no, is No, it's just a, t- a team-up sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the most popular kind of random comics that's out there. Um, the art in it is actually, like, super awesome, in my opinion. Like, it's really cool. But, uh, yeah, I guess... So, there's a... I saw this on comicbook.com, and I sent the uh, link over to Drew, and... Uh, you were saying you thought it was kind of unclear who was animating the movie. Was it Nickelodeon who owns the rights to, to the, TMNT, well, or is the, it DC? Well, animation? for the DC, for the DC animated films that they release, it all comes from like a specific like DC and Warner Brothers animation yeah. division. So for the Batman stuff, they have to kind of use some of that stuff for the licensing rights. Yeah. But from the article, it sounded like this was a Nickelodeon produced. Okay. Movie, but it sounds like it's gonna be like a straight to DVD thing or a streaming thing. Right. I'm not entirely sure. Um, the article seemed unclear because whoever wrote the article seemed like they didn't <laughs> fully know, other than the announcement, and they had an image, a still image from the actual yeah. project. So. And the image does look in line with a lot of the newer DC animated stuff. I actually, after you told me that though, that it was unclear, I did a quick like skim through the article, and there was a line that said. Batman and Ninja Turtles is coming to a new animated film thanks to Nickelodeon and Warner Brothers Animation. Yeah, so, so it's probably just a team up of divisions. Yeah, it might be a joint effort. <laughs> it might be all Warner Brothers doing it and Nickelodeon, yeah. they just get the licensing yeah, here's through. The, so. Yeah, basically. So Either way, this is awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> that's all I really have to say. Yeah, about that it. one will be cool. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's it for uh, DC News. We're all excited there. And I have one more piece of news uh, because this I thought was really interesting. So the showrunners for the Game of Thrones, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, also known as the Double Ds, um, <laughs> they're, the final season of Game of Thrones is like just moments away. Like we're so close. Um, as of last Wednesday, February 6th, if you started watching Game of Thrones and watch one episode a day, you will be done just in time for the premiere of the new season. Um, I know that everyone's going, oh, I'm behind? Well, like, oh, I should have started that February 6th. I didn't know. I'll tell you this, though. I guarantee that if you started right now, you're not going to just watch one episode a day. You're going to be watching multiple episodes a day. Yeah. So you have time to catch up, have time to binge the whole series before it starts. Anyway, Game of Thrones aside. Post-Game of Thrones, the Double Ds are have a contract under Lucasfilm to do a series of Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. In the past, they've always said series. They've never really given us a number. We don't know. It could just be two movies. Who knows? Either way, I thought that was really cool because here's a group of here's two guys who know how to handle source material and adapt source material to the screen. 
And with all of the historical stuff that was written about the Star Wars universe, the history behind, not the history behind the making of or anything, but like George's notes and all this stuff, I'm really curious to see what those guys are planning on tackling. But the big, the news about this is that mm-hmm. they've been given, they've directly been given three movies. So it's basically the Double D's Star Wars trilogy. I mean, that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be awesome. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> Not a lot to say, but... I mean, not a lot to say because we don't know anything more uh, than that. Stuff we could speculate, and I have a feeling everybody's kind of speculating one uh, direction they might go with these movies. I don't know. I'm getting no reaction um, out of you. I, if it was I feel me, like everybody's chomping at the bit for the Old Republic. Everybody so. wants the Old Republic. Yeah. Everyone wants to see these guys <laughs> tackle the Sith Empire, and I'll tell you right now, because I read... Now... I know that the um, the Star Wars books, there's a thing about the continuity of the Star Wars books because in the Star Wars universe, if it's on screen, it's law, it's Bible, it's this is the end of the discussion. If it does not line up with what's on the screen, it basically is not considered con- canon, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the old Star Wars books that were written, there's a couple of them that take place during the Sith Empire, which exists long before any of the movies. So there's really no way to debunk those books. But I've read them. They're astounding. So if these guys are going to tackle the Sith Empire, oh, that could be some really cool <laughs> stuff. So Yeah. Very cool stuff. So let's see what happens. I'm excited. Yeah, I was excited when they found out they were assigned on to do this. I'm more excited now that it's three movies. <laughs> Still don't know anything. Great. <laughs> For sure. Um... So I think that's list time, unless you have any other news stories that you want no, to talk about. No, uh, that's all I got. So. Great. Um, with that being said, I think we're going to start the list for the week. Uh, Ryan, roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay, so it's list time. It's Valentine's Day. It's February 13th at the time of this recording. So we thought um, just to veer away from the normal I pick, you pick list categories, we do a quick Valentine's Day list and then get back to the scheduled time because why not? There's only a couple holidays we can do this with anyway, right? Yeah. Um, so with that being said, we are going to do rom-coms mm-hmm. uh, tonight. Um, so do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Um, I'm fine with either way. I don't have any honorable mentions okay, this week. that's so. fine. Well, I have an honorable So we'll just <laughs> say good. you get to go first because I have one honorable mention. <laughs> it's a weird honorable mention because it's hard, but I can justify that it's a rom-com, and that's Deadpool. Okay. Um, Deadpool's a superhero movie. I understand that. It is a comedy. He says directly in the movie that it's a love story, <laughs> and if you've seen the movie, yeah. it's a love story, and it released on Valentine's Day. So that's my uh, defense. <laughs> um, but in the light of, in the light of what we were trying to do with this list, I didn't really want to count as a rom com, but I thought it would be funny if I had it as an honorable mention. So okay, fair I just... enough. I, I think that's an awesome pick. I actually forgot about Deadpool. I think um, with my list, I tried to really pick things that were like the love stories, like the super main focus, you know. And somebody right. could argue Deadpool's like a story of re- revenge over being a love story, but <laughs> sure. Either way, I think it's an awesome pick. Like, right. I love Deadpool, so right. great. Um, um, uh, with that being said, uh, it's your first pick. For sure. Um, oh, I'm getting a phone call. That's funny. Um. <laughs> no, I just didn't want you to accidentally answer it, and then the person be like, <laughs> and okay, then the person so, be like what's going on? <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, I actually think I might change my order of something. Okay, so oh, the, my order is definitely not correct. I'm just fair enough. Um, okay. Um, sorry, I was changing my order because I feel like I was gonna pick something that's like at the end of your list for my first pick. Um, I have a feeling you and I. I don't know if we matched anything. I don't know if we'll match or not. But uh, for my first pick, I'll go with uh, The Wedding Singer, starring oh, uh, Adam Sandler. Definitely didn't match. Go ahead. Yeah, um, this movie, I mean, there's stuff I could say about it, but I think I just really appreciate it for, like, it's hilarious. Like, I think it's a really good movie. I watched it, like, a year ago, and in my opinion, it still held up, or held up humor-wise. Um, also, just, like, it's a really heartfelt story, um... And I think that's, like, this movie, I feel, like, kind of brought... So when you look at Adam Sandler movies, like, Adam Sandler's, like, super obnoxious in Billy Madison. And Happy Gilmore, he's, like, a little bit more of a nicer guy in, in that movie. So people are like, okay, I like this guy. I can identify him with him. And then in The Wedding Singer, he's just a total sweetheart. And I think that's when he started kind of being household name. Like, everybody loves this guy. But uh, also just, I think, this movie came out when I was in junior high. And I think it didn't... It really uh, introduced me to a lot of aspects of the 80s and 80s music and stuff that I had no clue about. So that's another reason why I kind of right. appreciate so it. You speaking know? of The Wedding Singer, do you watch The Goldbergs? <laughs> no, no, not right. at all. So they did an episode of The Goldbergs where, um, this is very recent, uh, Barry on The Goldbergs is getting married. Yeah. And in this episode, him and his fiance are battling over with the, are we ready to do this? Should we call it off? Should we not call it off? They don't know how to talk to each okay. other, all that nonsense. Yeah. So, but at the same time, his mom is like, well, we need to do wedding planning stuff. So she's trying to do wedding planning and she goes to see the wedding. She goes to find a good wedding singer. So she goes to a bar mitzvah, which happens to be the going. actual bar mitzvah from the movie, The Wedding Singer. They had the actual footage <laughs> nice. playing. And then she went to meet with John Lovitz's character. Yeah, I had a feeling. And John Lovitz actually had a cameo on the show. So they actually redid that whole <laughs> sequence with the mom. <laughs> and then later, Barry and his fiance are on an airplane because he he's trying to like they're they're getting ready to leave on an airplane, and then it happens to be the same plane that oh great Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, and Billy Idol and all that stuff at the end of the movie. <laughs> Does Billy Idol show up? They played the whole sequence. He was in the. I don't Billy... think Billy Idol was, oh, but they okay. at least had the audio like over the oh, loudspeaker, okay, nice. like the whole thing, and then you actually saw the whole ending. You basically saw the ending of Wedding Singer. <laughs> uh, it was a really funny. It was that's, a really funny bit that they did for that show. That's so. pretty awesome. I love how they had, uh, in the movie The Wedding Singer, how they had Billy Idol in there. Because, like, yeah, it was, like, filmed, like, what was it, like, 15 years later? I don't know how many years right. later than the 80s, but Billy Idol still looked exactly the same <laughs> as it did back right. then. So it was right. great. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say. I mean, Cool. Yeah. Um, well, all right. So the next, uh, so my actual first pick is going to be a movie called The Holiday. Oh, is this uh, Jack Black and... Jack uh, Black, Cameron Diaz, yeah, Kate yeah, I've Winslet. Seen this. Yeah, that's um, a good pick. Uh, Jude Law. Yeah, Jude Law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, really, really cool movie. Really smart movie. Um, if you've never seen this, uh, Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet. Cameron Diaz lives in L.A., Hollywood, and Kate Winslet lives in England, some, like, town in the sticks, you know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Deep rural England, England. Rural yeah. England. And they're just looking... They're both looking for a getaway... Like, just get away from their lives. So they do, like, a house swap with each other. So one goes to live in the others and vice versa. Um, Kate Winslet meets 
Uh, Jack Black, Black and yeah. Hollywood, they become friends, but Jack Black is a composer for, like, a movie studio, so he's all into, like, music and stuff, and she be- meets all these writer friends and has this little adventure in L.A., and then they get together. And then while Cameron Diaz is over um, in England, she meets Kate Winslet's brother, who's played by Jude mm-hmm. Law, and then they have a, like, relationship. It's just a really cool two different stories going on because of the same thing. You know what? I? It's, yeah. it's a really, like, it's a heartfelt movie. It's a very fun movie. It's a funny movie, um, but it was just—it was smart writing. Oh yeah, and I just—and that's why I just really liked it. It was one that stuck out on me. I remember when it came out, like the fact that uh, Jack Black was one of the leading male roles in a romantic comedy caught everybody off guard. And so, like, yeah. wait, Jack Black can't do that? <laughs> you know, he's too funny looking or something. But it's like really like there's no reason why he can't do that. And it kind of like for me at least, I had like an introspective moment of like. Of course he can do that. Why could I ever think he couldn't? There's a really cool scene in the movie where uh, Jack Black and Kate Winslet are walking through a video store. Yes, kids, back in the day uh, when uh, Peter and I were kids, if you wanted (laughs) to rent a movie, you had to go to a store and rent a movie. It wasn't just streaming on an app for you. It was like Um, Redbox, but you could go inside of it, and it cost more money. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. But there's a really cool scene in the movie where Jack Black and Kate Winslet are at the video store, and they're looking for a movie to watch. But Jack Black, because he's a film composer, he's all into the music. Yeah. So she'd pick up a movie, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, that movie had a great score. And he'd start humming the tune. And she'd be like, wait a minute. And she'd pick up another movie, and he'd be like, oh, yeah. And he'd start humming the tune for that movie. Like, he knew the all these movies yeah. just by theme songs. But it was this really cute scene in the store. Again, it's smart writing, smart, smart storytelling. So um, I just really like... That that movie was really good, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, Go nice, ahead. good pick. Um, okay. Um, because I don't want to impede on my top three picks i'm gonna go with uh high fidelity as my next one no. is this on your list no okay and so you know what this is where I, I this didn't even make the short list because okay. i couldn't i wasn't sure if i could consider it as a romantic comedy is it do you consider it more of a drama or i don't know how i would categorize it but i wasn't sure if okay. i could count it as a romantic comedy so go ahead i guess like the concepts of uh, romance, I guess, are kind of central to the whole plot. But I do... Then again, then again I have one that I have to justify as a romantic comedy later, so go ahead. <laughs> For sure. Um, I've got another one of those, too. But it isn't your typical guy-meets-girl-fall-in-love sort of story, but it's more... As I, I, lo- I love this movie, oh, yeah. by the way. I was uh, actually thinking about this movie this and afternoon. The novel, the novel by Nick Hornby is amazing. Oh yeah! If you've never, if you've never read the novel, nice. Um, I was actually thinking of this movie before we recorded today, and uh, it's actually when I thought about it, it's kind of a movie about a guy growing up in the sense of he's so he's hung up on like all of his past failed relationships to the point where he's actually like hunting girls down and calling them and trying to figure out what went wrong. And I feel like he's kind of, by the end of the movie, has reached a point where he's not so focused on himself. And that's what I mean when he, like, actually grows yeah. up and kind of sees the bigger picture. And he starts to actually, like, put his own creative endeavors out there and, uh, you know, kind of comes to terms with, uh, like, who he should be with and how he should pursue, like, his romantic interests. But uh, I didn't... The reason this movie isn't higher on my list is because... It is not any of the romantic parts that made me love this movie, I guess, because my favorite parts of the movie is, like, all the music nerd stuff. Like, I love listening to, like, 
you know, uh, John Cusack, like, waxing about, like, different, like, bands he's into and different musical movements. I love uh, another Jack Black movie, like, Jack Black and then the other guy who works in the record store, like, those guys, like, dialogues and just how their antics in the record store are hilarious. If you've ever been into any kind of... uh, Sort of. If you've ever been into any pop culture related anything, hobby, yeah, yeah. you've experienced both those guys, and it's kind of funny because like the one quieter guy kind of seems like he's more like a little more snobby about music, and Jack Black seems like he's into really accessible stuff. Like he made the mixtape in the movie with uh, "Walking on Sunshine" as the opening track, (laughs) but then later in the movie you find out. uh, Jack Black's character is also kind of elitist with the way he talks about like the Evil Dead movies and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like a great movie overall, and I think it's one of those movies that I think like every guy should at least watch in their twenties because it's kind of like a good like relatable thing, and like it might make you examine your own life decisions too right. in a weird way. So I know, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you have anything more to say on it. I no, know you you hit all the major points. It's, High Fidelity is a phenomenal movie, um, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like that would probably hit... I'll, I'll gush about High Fidelity when it hits another list that I feel it fits a little bit. Because <laughs> um, like you said, like the romantic love story parts of the movie don't yeah. stand out the way um, that they could in terms of, for me, in terms of rom- romantic comedy. But I think where I'd just defend it is it is a comedy, and the central plot... Is, is the romance? Yes, ex- him exactly. And his girlfriend, so. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> <All right. laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, so my next pick is uh, hmm. I don't know which one I want to go with next. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go with the Princess Bride. Okay, awesome. Um, I uh, this probably should have made my. I list, struggled. To be I struggled with this being a romantic comedy more than as a. Um, See that's Adve- adventure. Film. That's where I thought it. That's where but I thought it would at be the end of, But at the end of the day, it truly is a romantic movie. It's a. It's 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 your typical date movie. I mean, when um, you think about it, like that is the whole thing. Is like, uh, you know, Wesley well, trying to. Get well, when, usually when you think of romantic comedies, you think of movies about you. You let's let me give you a perfect example of a bad romantic comedy, a uh, failure to launch with Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't think I've ever movie. seen. <laughs> it's it's really not the best. Okay, but it falls in the category of like the bad romantic comedies that people tend to like laugh at as opposed to the good ones. And we're here trying to talk about the ones we like. So for us, these are the good ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Princess Bride, because it's, to me, it's always been an adventure movie. Yeah, exactly. It's always been about the adventure more than anything else. But as I've gotten older, it really is a yeah. romantic no, like, I, love I, story. That happens to be a comedy. I definitely agree with it because if you think of like, um, like Lord of the Rings, like the One Ring to rule rule them all is like in the center of the story and everybody's battling it and stuff. And like, if you think of Princess Bride, like it is like Wesley and Buttercup's love story is like the center of the thing, even though around that there's all sorts of awesome adventure stuff going on. Right. You know, it's like they they were like make a tell a love story, but put everything in it that you can get the guys to take the girls to see them. Yeah. And so, then also go throwing it back to Deadpool, there's an awesome tale of revenge in Princess that, that, Bride. That, that there is. <laughs> yeah. That there is. So um I just really liked this movie from the adventure to the comedy to the one liners. There's so many great cameos in the movie from Wallace Shawn to Billy Crystal to Andre the Giant. Like uh, uh, Mandy Patinkin's phenomenal in this movie. Like, 
there's so much good in this movie, and it's one of those movies that's very highly quotable. It's, um, I feel like uh, younger aged people don't know what I'm talking about, but I feel like if you mention any quote of this movie in the right group of people, someone else knows the next line of the film. Oh yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's this is this is one that's hung around for a long time, and it's it's one of those movies that's going to go down with its own immortality. Yeah, so, I mean, it is kind of one of those. It's like, very timeless. Yeah, it really is. I think it is like Princess Bride does give the meaning to a modern classic because like it did speak to so many people and it's so ingrained into like kind of the collective subconscious of the world. Like it's kind of like, you know, like, you know, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, Sherlock Holmes, like those old classic stories. Like it's kind of a modern classic, you know, like hundreds of years from now. I will say it'll be mentioned in the same breath. I will say. So in the movie, the grandfather is reading the book, the princess bride to the kid who's not feeling well. Right. Yeah. So I did try and find the princess bride as a book Mm -hmm. because I'm like, you don't do this if unless there's an actual book for it. (laughs) So I found it. So the princess bride, I found the novel. And I started, I just started reading, like, the opening of the book because I was really curious, like, you know, how this really starts and all that stuff. The scenes with the kid not feeling well and the grandpa reading the book to him are part of the book. Really? Yeah. It's, oh. all, it's all part of the book. <laughs> okay. Nice. Like, I didn't expect that at all. I was expecting yeah. the actual just Wesley and Buttercup love story when I picked up the book. But no, it had all the sequences with the little kid being sick and the grandpa reading it. Did the book open with Nintendo Baseball, by the way? I don't know. I don't remember that. (laughs) But all that stuff with the kid and his grandpa were in there. I was like, oh, Um, I didn't expect that to happen. Just because I, I kind of forgot about that, but that opening of the movie with the kid playing Nintendo, like you see the TV screen at the very beginning, is just like such a genius opening. Right. For, could you imagine going to theater, the theater and like, okay, I'm going to see Princess Bride, awesome fantasy tale, and it opens with this the Nintendo opening. screen. Yeah, exactly. Like, but I will, uh, and then on top of that, if you saw Once Upon a Deadpool, um, they recreated the kid. Have you, have you seen it, by the no, way? No, but I've okay. seen the clips from that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Deadpool's reading him the book, and, you know, like, so they recreated it with the original actor and all that. So, yeah. you know, that's really funny. I'm curious if some of the kids who saw Once Upon a Deadpool even know what that parody is Probably or not. not. Most of them probably don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but anyway, enough about Princess Bride uh, for now, because I have a feeling that that might make oh, a yeah. reappearance on another list down the road. Oh, so. definitely. Um, I guess that would move on to my next one. Um, this is a movie that I've mentioned uh, probably multiple other times on this podcast, but uh, I had to put Chasing Amy on my list. Ooh, um, ooh yeah. This is... Uh, Made my short list. I don't know if it's my favorite Kevin Smith movie, but it's definitely Up top there. two. Yeah. Um, I love this movie. I think a lot of it is um, has to do with just the fact that the main characters are independent comic creators, and I really like that uh, sort of like version of that version of that life kevin smith put on screen is like so awesome and inspiring to me to watch but also like i think it's a very unexpected uh sort of love story that uh for the time that it came out was just really like unheard of you know the kind of story it is um i don't know if i have a ton to say about it that i haven't said before i mean do you have any thoughts about it or i love this this movie's phenomenal i think it's one of kevin smith's absolute best um in terms of uh storytelling uh where a lot of kevin smith movies are meant to be comedies and not that he doesn't tell good stories but this this was a very heartfelt story Mm -hmm. um where the other ones i think were just kind of meant to be comedies 
Um, this is definitely one of Kevin Smith's best. Yeah. So, and I, I really like this movie, even though there is like kind of a, uh, there's like a love story that kind of just ultimately doesn't work out, and the movie ends on a note where it doesn't work out, but it does such a good job of like. Yeah, this didn't move out, but everybody involved is moving on, and it's okay. Like, life moves on. And it kind of really captured that emotion that I don't really see many movies do at all. And it did it in a way where you don't leave the movie feeling like it got you down. You leave the movie being like, yeah, it's okay. Like, it's okay that stuff doesn't work out sometimes, and yeah. I appreciate that. So Yeah. Um, well, uh, my next pick... Man, I'm tr- All right, I'm going to go with... <laughs> It's tough because there's a couple movies I'm specifically trying to avoid talking about because I really want to talk about them. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> Fool's Gold. Okay. I don't think I've seen You don't this. know this movie? Okay. I refresh my memory. I definitely have heard of it. This, but... movie, this movie is really cool, really. F- like, I, I've seen... This is not... This probably falls into the category of not the good um, <laughs> romantic comedies, but I okay. really, really like it. Um, so it's uh, Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Uh, they're a married couple who are on the brink of divorce. Uh, she's trying to divorce him, and he is. And I, I want to say I, they're either Bahamas or Florida Keys, but he's hunting for, like, because the two of them were hunting for this sunken treasure ship, okay. the ship, this like Spanish um, ship that was like carrying a whole bunch of treasure, like, ran aground on this island, and it's been lost to the world. Yeah. No one, no one knows what happened to it and everything. So they were, like, looking for it. But they spent he spent all the money trying to find it, so now they're broke. So she's now trying to divorce him. Like, I can't believe he did this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, he still is in love with her. So what happens is is he finds a piece to the discovery of where the ship actually is. Okay. And he tries to tell her about it, and she won't listen to him. But then he finds out that she's employed to this really rich philanthropist who he gets to believe the story. And then together they all go looking for the ship again. So she's kind of <laughs> nice. into it. And at the end of the day, they fall in love again. And But it's it's a love story. It's an adventure story. And it's a treasure hunting story at the same time. All <laughs> And it's like a modern day ocean treasure hunting movie. Okay. Nice. With pirates and gangsters and like oh, nice. it's... It's really, really exciting, and it's funny, and <laughs> so I, I highly recommend it. It's called Fool's Gold. Um, yeah, and then, like, the mystery behind what happened to the ship, and there's a whole... And what's really cool about that is not only do you get their love story between Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson, but you hear a story about a love story that happened on the ship that sank and all that stuff. Like, you get okay. to hear the tale of what happened with the pirate falling in love with the girl and all... You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Nice. Yeah, it was just a, it's a really cool. That's great. Is um, this um so I don't know when this came out. I feel like it's like a weird unofficial sequel to How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or something. So basically like that. what happened is Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson went and made How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days <laughs> yeah. and they said, "You guys are really good in movies together. Make another one." Right. Is are they in any other romantic comedies together? Not or? that I know of. Okay. This this real funny. Uh, this came out in 2008. Okay. Dark Knight and uh, Iron Man year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so sounds sounds uh, familiar. That's why it sounds familiar. I just yeah never never actually. Yeah, I that. I really like that movie. So. Okay, so this next one I think I might match you on. Um, Love Actually. Nope. Is that on your list? No. Okay, so this this was... movie made my short list, and yeah, um, I, I'll say I'll just say that for now. 
I have this... a feeling we didn't match at all. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so this movie was on both of our Christmas... Yeah, I can almost guarantee we didn't match, but I'll keep going. This movie was on both of our Christmas lists. We talk a lot about it. Uh, it's a really good Christmas movie, but it's also a very good romantic comedy. Uh, there's a lot of... There's many love stories in this movie. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, there's a lot of just hilarious kind of character moments in the movie, but yeah, there's many love stories that take place over the movie, and the movie has a good way of depicting a lot of different kinds of love. I think that's one of my favorite parts of it is it actually shows like the value of the love of like friendships or like maybe people who are in romantic relationships, but it's like a uh, more unconventional romantic relationship. And I really appreciate seeing those kinds of stories on screen that you don't usually see. So if you haven't seen it, I'd definitely say go <laughs> check it out. Right. Yeah. Um, I have nothing else to say because we <laughs> talked about it at nausea. Exactly, yeah. Um, so mine, uh, let me get that on the spreadsheet here. Uh, so the the next pick, oh man, I don't know which one to save for last. Um, all right, I'll just go with this one. Uh, it's a movie called Definitely Maybe. Okay, so. <laughs> Do you know of this? Have you seen it? <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen it. I laugh because I feel like it's one of those movies that movies that's like the punchline of a lot of jokes like if you watch another movie where there's like a line making fun of romantic comedies like i feel like definitely maybe is used a lot does that make sense i i guess but <laughs> okay. are you talking but about I just as a title yeah just the title like oh, something okay. like uh not not the movie guy, itself like, but the title yeah just the title yeah not the movie but like saying like if a guy can't hang out with his friends, like, oh, what were you doing just watching Definitely Maybe by yourself at home? Or, you know, like, those right. kinds of jokes. I feel like I've heard a lot. But Fair enough. I don't know anything about the movie. I have nothing against the movie, so enlighten me. Fair enough. <laughs> with that being said, um, I could totally be accused of watching Definitely Maybe by myself, and that's why. <laughs> um, no, so basically this is, this is a really interesting love story. Um, so Ryan Reynolds plays uh, a single dad. Well... Okay. I don't know if I want to say single dad. Um, I think he's either getting a divorce or just got a divorce. But so he's this. So we'll just for the, I haven't seen the movie in a while, so we'll just say he's a single dad. Okay. Um, and he picks his daughter up from school, and they're talking. And so, so this is the interesting thing. Ryan Reynolds, uh, you find out in the backstory because almost the whole movie is flashback. So he used to he worked as a campaign person on Bill Clinton's presidential campaign when Bill Clinton was running for president. So he helped on the camp he helped on one of the main in one of the main campaign offices. Um, now in the movie Bill Clinton is president, so we're at that time period, so it's okay. like the 90s and the Bill Clinton Monica Lewinsky sex scandal just hit the news. Okay. So because of it, all this like information is coming out publicly in the schools and the kids are all coming home going what does this mean what does that mean and the parents don't know how to answer the question which is yeah. a real big problem at that time period right? yeah so he picks up his daughter from school she asks him some questions he does his best to answer the questions and then she asks about her mom you know how did you guys meet and all yeah. that stuff and ryan reynolds says how about this and but she's like pestering for information yeah so he says, how about this? I'm going to tell you the story about how I met your mom, but I'm going to change all the names. And at the end of the story, you tell me who your mom is. Mm. Try and figure out who your mom is in the story. So then the movie goes into flashback mode. And you 
get to see this whole story about how he met her mom. Yeah. With all the names and places different. Okay. So yeah. he, so you don't actually know who the mom is. So you're watching the movie trying to figure out who this girl he falls in love with. And there's like three girls. Each he had legitimate relationship with. And you're seeing all the bouncing between and all that stuff. Yeah. And how it's all playing out. And then every now and then they'll cut back to the present day. And she'll ask a question and they'll have a little thing. And then they'll go back to the flashback and yeah. whatever. And you get to see more of the Bill Clinton presidential campaign. So okay. you get some actual like political histories in this movie because you see how some of the events played up to him getting elected and everything. And then um, eventually the movie comes to a close. But it's it's a not only is it a touching, like rom, actual, very romantic love story, it's a very touching movie, just a father-daughter love story. And at the same time, it just tells a really good story. Like it's a it's a fantastic movie, and there's these great comedic bits in it, but the comedic bits are very spaced out, where you're not la- you're not laughing like you would with a normal romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. This is a touching story, and they throw in the comedic bits where they yeah. need to be. So, and Ryan Reynolds, uh, because it's a serious role, um, he did a really nice job doing a serious role as opposed to a standard you know comedic stuff that he normally does. So nice. Yeah, so I, mean, I, it, I it, it sounds cool. I just <laughs> yeah, I, I've never actually. I, watched I really it, but... do recommend it very heavily. When did the movie come out? Um, how about this? You entertain the people, and I will try and figure <laughs> that out. Fair enough. Um, um, I mean, I don't know what else to tell you about the movie, but um, so that would lead into my uh, number one pick, which I'm ninety uh, again, two thousand eight. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Hey, two thousand eight was a killer year. We might for... have to do a list for two thousand eight. Oh gosh. Okay. Anyway. Um, Anyways, um, oh, so that would lead into my next pick, which I'm 95% sure is not on your list, but uh, I think it's my favorite romantic comedy, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Oh, man, I didn't even think that I would include this. So this one I might have to kind of defend because you could say this is just more of like... I, God, I love this movie. Yeah, yeah, you could say it's more of a slacker comedy or more of an action movie comic book movie whatever this movie is totally a romantic comedy the central story is scott scott pilgrim's love for ramona flowers and his uh kind of dedication to uh win her over and through the way on the way having to battle like all of her evil exes um it's super comic seven evil evil (laughs) it's it's super comic booky it's um but it's it's really fun it's the way it's filmed is awesome um but it's also just for me like the type of people in the movie and just how a lot of it is done, I found really relatable. Um, like the parties that Scott Pilgrim was going to in the movie reminded me of like people at like parties I went to in art school and stuff like that. Um, and it's just like, I think there's like the movie's demographic is very limited where it's kind of just like this movie for like these, it's like target demographic is like kids in their early twenties who love video games. But if you're in that demographic and you watch the movie, it's awesome. So, yeah. Um, I think you're, you're very right about the demographic, but yeah. I think that if you put aside the video game references and the comic book references and stuff like that, the mo- well, the movie is very smart mm-hmm. in what it because it knows what it is and because it knows what it wants to be and it's going to deliver that. But, and there's a scene like maybe. I don't know, two-thirds of the way through the movie where Scott and Ramona... I, I, God, I love this movie so much. But there's a scene about two-thirds of the way through the movie where Scott and Ramona are at a, like a... I don't know if it's a bar or like a nightclub or something with their friends. 
and they're having a conversation. It's but it's it's not a comedic conversation. It's not it's a it's a standard boyfriend girlfriend conversation where one of them's not happy about something, <clears throat> and you're clearly having a fight in public. Yeah, and um, and he's trying to explain. He's like trying to pour his heart out while she's asking questions, but she's not happy with something, and they're having this thing like almost on the brink of breaking up. And but when they're talking about the fighting. And when I say fighting, I'm talking about like the fight scenes that you had to endure sitting through before you got to the scene. All they did in the, in the storytelling is they took the verbal fighting in real life. So like if I got into a yeah. friend or broke up with a girlfriend or whatever, they took the verbal fighting and turned them into fight scenes, mm-hmm. like actual fight scenes. So when they have this conversation in the movie, it clicks in your brain oh my God, this is just a standard love story. And they put in all this other fun stuff. Mm-hmm. When I when I, when the movie came out, I didn't know a lot about the comic books. I'd never read them. Um, I have gone back and read some of them, not all, but I've gone back yeah. and read some of them. Um, but now that... Uh, but when I heard about the movie, when I heard about the synopsis, and I'm like, oh, Scott Pilgrim, to, you know, to be with the love of his life, he has to defeat the seven evil exes, they had me at that tagline alone <laughs> because yeah. I wanted to know what that meant. Right. And, um, it almost not, reminds me of a kill bill sort of, thing, sort of, know, yeah. I'm not a big Michael Sarah fan. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of a take it or leave it actor for me, but this is my favorite role of his. And it's just, it's just everything about this movie is gold. Yeah. Like I, like I can't speak highly enough for this movie, but this movie is also a exercise for your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. There's so many things like every time I see the movie, like I say this about Star Wars all the time, I see something different. But every time I see this movie, I notice something else. And I'm not talking like just visually, like when he goes, I got to go to the bathroom and he walks into the bathroom and they have the video game icon that appears next to yeah. his P bar and then it depletes as he goes. <laughs> yeah. Back. You know, that's a funny joke. Um, but then he turns to the, to wash his hands in the sink and the P-bar is in the mirror but it's backwards. They were smart enough to like <laughs> put their reflection of nice. it still in the yeah. mirror. Um, and then that goes away and you don't see it again. But it's not just little things like that that you notice. It's little things with character moments. Exactly. Facial yeah. expressions. The way lines are delivered. Um, the scene where Aubrey Plaza is yelling at him and every time she uses the F word like the, it, <laughs> it blacks out her yeah, mouth. Yeah, and he's and just like, why is, it, why is your mouth doing that? And she's like, never mind why my mouth's doing that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's really funny but it's, again, really smart just putting everything together. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, the, the thing you're saying about like all the little hidden things and stuff in the comic, uh, there's actually tons of stuff hidden in there too, like video game references, anime references, all sorts of like indie rock and various music references, and it's like awesome. Um, I've read all the comics, and I'd say uh, I can let you borrow them if you want, but I don't know how far you got in, but the first volume, I basically read the first volume basically is the movie the first volume yes and that's like the thing is the first volume is hard to get through once you've seen the movie but once you get past that you're in for a treat because it changes so much so I've so only different. read the first volume okay so <laughs> after that it actually gets like way more interesting because it's so much different than the movie there's a lot of like awesome fight scenes that are in there that weren't in the movie like uh Knives Chow, her character, for example, like she has like these badass sides that she fights people with and stuff. Um, and just the ending is just like this way bigger, like kind of just really weird sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
I'd say read further because you're in for how many train. volumes is it? It's uh six, I believe. Six volumes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then oh, the one last thing I wanted to throw on is like talking about some of these fight scenes. Like they're super creative. Like there's one fight scene where it's like Scott Pilgrim's band that he's in, uh, Sex Bomb. Oh, is this the do? Is this the Battle of Bands? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know if it was it the Battle of the Bands when the DJs played and they had like yeah a, and there yeah. were yeah so it was the DJs on the one stage and then the Hither band on the other stage yeah. and like we can't play at the same time like no basically that's what's happening uh-huh. it's and the, the Battle of the Bands <laughs> and they create like this sound battle that's awesome like the DJs kind of like conjure up this like weird like sound dragon monster yeah, and then fights they, them and right and it's like <laughs> almost like the two video game creatures battling each other but it's really just the bands battling the band like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in the sense of visual metaphors and proverbial metaphors, <laughs> um, the, the Scott Pilgrim is such a great movie, and every time I watch it, I just like yeah. it even more. So, mm-hmm. and then um, oh, I mean that concludes my list. But I noticed something kind of funny is on my list I've got like three music nerd movies with wedding singer High Fidelity and Scott Pilgrim, uh, comic book nerd movie Chasing Amy, and then just one really good Christmas love story <laughs> movie. So. Um, and I have uh, two adventure stories. And nice. Two really touching. Yeah. <laughs> stories. Well, for my final pick of the night, um, I, I don't. It's not difficult to justify that it's a romantic comedy. It's just when I put it on the list, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I can count it. Um, but that is forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh yeah, for this actually made my short list. Okay. I love this movie. Forgetting Sarah Marshall probably falls under. Um, this is probably. If I had to make a favorite movie of all time list, I guarantee Forgetting Sarah Marshall probably makes the top ten. I absolutely love this movie from top to bottom. Everything about this movie is phenomenal. Um, Every time I see it, there's something else I laugh at harder than I laughed at the first time. But this is also a movie that I um, stop flipping channels when it's on. If I'm scanning channels oh, yeah. on TV and I know Forgetting Sarah Marshall's on, I will always put this movie yeah. on. It's it's one of those. <laughs> um, so this it's just amazing but yeah it's basically about a guy who went through a bad breakup at the beginning of the movie and he's basically trying to find himself again but meets this other girl and they totally have this romantic story that you follow yeah Um, and that's really the basis of it but he is going but this guy is going to the ends of the earth to do everything in his power to get over his girlfriend and then it just keeps coming back and you can't (laughs) and he like uh, I love that the movie takes place over like he goes on vacation to Hawaii to get away from, like, his ex and kind of forget about it. And she's also on vacation yeah. at the same resort as him. Um, and I think the movie does a really good job of capturing. Like, there's a specific moment that a lot of us experience in life where we're between relationships. And it really captures that sort of uh, feeling, I think, really well. Um, another thing I also just love about the movie, which is just kind of a fun creative thing, is I love the... Uh, Dracula musical that he's working on in the movie. Oh, I love it too. Um, I have, um, I have that, the, I have a couple songs from the movie. Yeah. Uh, from the soundtrack. So like at the beginning of the movie that, uh, do something song by Elvis Snow. Okay. Right. Um, I have that one. I have the Dracula musical song that he sings at the bar. Um, and then there's some other song that I, oh, the, um, Inside of Inside You that Elvis yeah. Snow sings later <laughs> right. on in the movie. I have all three of those, um, and I love it when I'm in my car and they come on. It just makes me laugh every time. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, no, I just, this, it's such a great movie, and, like, all the actors are, like, a top-of-their-game type stuff. So. Right. 
Um, I this is really random, but uh, I saw this movie on Netflix called uh, Three Night Stand. Have you ever heard of it? No. Okay, so this is a movie where you've seen the show uh, Being Human, right? The American version of it. Uh, yes. Okay, so in the show, there's a werewolf, a vampire, and a ghost, right? Yeah, Sam Witwer's so, Sam Witwer's in this. Right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sam Witwer. I couldn't remember the actor's name, but he's actually in the Three Night Stand, and then the girl who plays oh, okay. the ghost is also in it. So I saw this on Netflix. I was like, okay, I like those actors. I'll check it out. It is a pretty much the same movie as Forgetting Sarah Marshall, except it takes place in like on like a ski resort in Canada or something like that. But it's literally, if you watch it, it's like beat for beat, almost the same movie as Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I don't know which one came out first. The thing about this one is it has a, I'd say more of a pessimistic ending, but it's still like kind of a funny watch. <laughs> Out of the two, I definitely like Forgetting Sarah Marshall better. It's just kind of a weird thing where I watch this movie, I'm like, I think I just watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall again in a really weird way. The so. first time I saw Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I watched the movie and went, that was kind of good. And then I watched all the bonus features. And then as soon as I finished all the bonus features, I rewatched the movie. Yeah. In one sitting. Okay. <laughs> Movie, bonus features, rewatch. Oh, wow. All okay. One, all in one sitting. And I I mean, I liked the movie the first time, but by the time I got through all the bonus features and rewatching it, I'm like, this is the best freaking movie. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Um, I like... Um, I've never done that with a movie, and I don't know what compelled me to do it, but I just kept going, and I'm like, I gotta watch that again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I do like how this movie has, like, Aldous Snow and that kind of, you know, that one into, like, get him to the Greek, and, like, kind of this movie has, like... So there's Sarah Marshall, who's on... I can't remember the CSI-style show that yeah, she was she on, does. but there's all this, I what? guess... Yeah, I don't remember the name of the show But either. my point is, like, there's all this lore. Crime scene. <laughs> That's the uh, name of Just drop the I and I would have been there. Um, but all the show has a lot of lore for a comedy, and that's kind of, like, I enjoy that, yeah. too. Like, the specific shows, bands, like, whatever. Like, that's always yeah. really fun, so... Um, well, that brings us to the end of the list for the week. Um, I'm going to... Uh, it's my pick for next week, and I yeah. have a feeling you and I are going to match very heavily on this week, but I thought it would be a really fun list to do. I also have one rule for the list, so let me tell you what the list is first. So next week, we're going to do top five pop culture vehicles. <laughs> nice. Um, the rule I have is if you want the Batmobile to be on your list, yeah. you have to pick one. I don't want you showing up with a list of five Batmobiles. Fair enough. <laughs> and I do that because I don't want to be the guy showing up with a list of five Batmobiles. So that rule is really for me. Oh, so, okay, um, so our list can't be just all Batmobiles. Right, okay. because there's the Michael Keaton Batmobile so, and there's the Val Kilmer Batmobile. So what if I show up with a Kennedy list Batmobile where I'm like, that, Batmobile, Batwing, Batcycle, uh, I mean, Bat that's, that's, fi <laughs> that's fine, I guess. But you understand, <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? I'm just, so, like, the Batmobile, the Ghostbuster car, the, you know, I just, the, the Dukes of Hazard car, if you're just like, oh, I loved that thing. Um, I just thought a pop culture vehicles would be kind of a cool list. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that'd be a fun list to do. So, uh, you know, maybe Knight Rider makes an appearance. You know, if you remember the old show Viper, why not? You know what I mean? <laughs> days of, or not uh, Days of Thunder. Yeah, Days of Thunder. Oh, well, Thunder, Thunder, Thunder and Paradise. Thunder and Paradise was, was <laughs> Thunder and Paradise was the show with the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Days of Thunder is uh, the, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise right? NASCAR okay, yeah. movie. Right. Yeah, I just I just thought pop culture vehicles, but the vehicle has to be. Oh man. The vehicle okay. has to be specific. That's the other thing. So, um, you can't like Thunder and Paradise. 
there's a television show about like a guy who's a vigilante that drives a boat around. Yeah. Like it was a specific boat. Right, but the boat was called Thunder. The boat yes. had a name. Yeah. So my point is the fact that the the vehicle you choose has to be very specific. Okay. So you can't be like, yeah, the the car that um, Paul Walker drives <laughs> in Fast and the Furious. Well, which Fast and the Furious? Which oh, car? So we can like, do that, but we have to pick this specifically. Car. Have okay. to like it's it's got to be specific. So yeah. I just it, it's got to be it. There's got to be there's got to be some iconography. To this it. is one that's funny where I want to like do my serious list and then also think of a joke list of all like the lamest vehicles in pop culture <laughs> and maybe go through that. This but. yeah I know I just thought this would be a really fun list to do. So um, I think this is really fun. It's up there with uh, it reminds me of the giant robots. It's right. Well, I just I thought it'd be fun because we really haven't cool. had a goofy, quirky list in a yeah. little while. So let's do this and get away from movies and like then <laughs> not talk about a movie specifically. Yeah. But um, and we might not have a lot to say about these vehicles, so it could be a short episode. But who knows? News will dictate that too. Yeah. Um. So with that being said, that brings us to the end of the show for the week. Um. If you want, hit us up at top5report.com. That's our website. You'll find links to all of our social media there, Facebook, Twitter. You'll find our email, top5report at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, If you subscribe to us, you will not miss a single episode. And please leave us reviews because it makes the words we say seem more important. Um, You can follow me personally on Twitter. I'm Drew at 39... I'm sorry. I'm on Twitter at Drew3927. I mess that up every week. (laughs) Just my personal ones. What about you, Peter? Uh, Follow me on Twitter uh, at NinjaPierre. Great. And uh, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.